the Owlcast, the official podcast of ACS Athens. Listen to the exciting story of the American Community Schools of Athens. Check out what drives all the members of our international community of learners as we create the education of the future. Here's John Papadakis. The end of another academic year is very close, but this year it has a special meaning for everyone. After two years in the COVID pandemic, with its lockdowns, restrictions and virtual classes, the 21-22 was the first academic year that resembled a normal school experience. As the class of 2022 is getting ready to bid farewell to the school, the academy principal is preparing to offer his own reflection. David Nelson has been the principal of the academy since 2019, but has been an educator at ACS Athens for 22 years. Today with Mr. Nelson, we discuss Academy Prom 2022, seeing students with their masks off for the first time in two years, creating engagement by creating experiences for students, creating a community by connecting students to their own community, more important than grades, finding a way to make a difference, and the need for teachers to constantly reinvent themselves and innovate within. We are at what we might hope to be the end of the COVID-19 cycle of living under restrictions, social isolation and civic health scares. How do you feel our academy students feel around the campus, getting back to leading a more normal life and finishing a year with ups and downs regarding the pandemic. What, what is their state of mind? Uh, John, thanks. It's really great to be on the Owlcast today. And I have to say, I'd take you off campus because last week we had the prom for the first in three years. And for some of these students, it's the first time I've seen them with their mask off, if you can imagine. When they take their mask off, we were outside upstairs with the Acropolis in the background to see the smiles. We had 175 students at that event. So what it means to the students is they get to connect in a different way. For the last few years, they've been told no of things they can't do for their own safety. And now they're seeing what it's like to be in high school when they can connect, sitting down with their friends, hanging out on the soccer field, playing some basketball. And uh, that's really what it means to be back at school. And how about the faculty? Have we all had enough of online classes or did we forcefully enter a new promising reality of hybrid education? <laughs> yeah, that's, everyone talks about returning to normal and there will be no normal now in education when it comes to integrating technology in the classroom. And I have to say the teachers did an amazing job when we went online. They were so quick to adjust first to the needs of the students and then to uh, addressing how best to uh, instruct them with the curriculum. Um, coming back, they have more tools. They have more tools to deal with. The thing that I'm most looking forward to is watching the rows go away because that restriction of students in rows facing forward is one um, effect. It's not a good image. It's not a good image. And it, it puts them not in the, the best position to collaborate, mm -hmm. to talk. Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't want the teacher at, at the front. We want the teacher and the students at the center together um, investigating that curriculum. 
In your message as the principal towards the students in the beginning of the year, you promised them that you strive to engage and challenge all students. Why do you think this is important? What, what kind of engagement can a student expect to have entering the academy? That's such a great question because I come from a teacher's background. You know, I'm 32 years in, in education, John, and 29 years as a teacher. And I try to convey to the faculty just what I believed in the classroom. We need to create experiences for students. And experiences are those that engage with where students are at, relating it to their interests, relating it to what matters to them or what will matter to them. And when we talk about engagement, it comes by creating, I believe more than anything, novel experiences that perhaps surprise them and engage a little bit of their mind so that there's some long-term connections. Engagement means connecting them with the material and each other to ask questions, inquire, to go deeper, and to uh, investigate from their perspective where the material might go. Um, finally, in engagement means doing something with what you're learning. And we know from Bloom's taxonomy, you know, the highest levels of learning is when students and teachers are applying it, they're evaluating it, or most importantly, creating something new. And we were just outside the studio for a few minutes and students, even seniors who have already finished all their classes are out here creating something that is theirs and they want to see it through to fruition. This is what engagement really means. You're asking our academy students to realize that learning in our community far exceeds what takes place in the classrooms. How would you explain this to a student who applies for our academy coming from a different school or system? Why is this important, do you think? Yeah, one thing we believe at ACS Athens is the importance of creating a conscious citizenship or a conscious citizen. And let's break down that word because we realize at ACS, the community is very, very important. And we emphasize connecting students to their community, whether it's in sports, clubs, activity groups, or in the classroom. It's not a place where they're there only to learn the content. They're there to learn what it means to be a conscious citizen. And if we look at raising their consciousness about what it means to be a citizen in that community. So how do we convey that to, to students who are coming in? Uh, we emphasize the importance of just how diverse our student body is. Uh, we have so many people who come from different walks of life, different countries, different nationalities, different ways of thinking. Try to connect them with each other to enrich the community. Learning isn't important until you do something with it. And in all of the classes, we talk about why is it that this learning is important? Two years ago, we had the theme, why do I? And we kept emphasizing to students. I still have the cup. Cool. And you know, why, why do you do what you do? And if we don't give them that why, and it's something they can take with them outside of the classroom, they're not going to be interested in that learning or they're not going to retain it. Mm -hmm. John, we don't teach the content. We teach students in the classroom the content and we try to connect it to them so that they can take it with them and do something with it. The reason I ask you is because a few years ago, we had a student coming through admissions. And when I asked, what is the expectation that you have coming to this school? I was surprised to hear 
what does it take to get an A in this school? Well, you know, and unfortunately, that's often the first go-to. We are academically, we challenge every student to do their best academically. And we realize that the reality of getting into the universities that they want to, that's also important. More important thing, though, is to keep that all into perspective. Being a student at ACS means being a part of that community, finding a way to make a difference in the school, whether it's contributing to the yearbook, being on a team, or being in a club. We want students to take in the community and uh, give back something else to it. So that is, I would say, an expectation that we ask. And of course, when students are connected some, to something greater than the grade, it's going to matter to them. It's going to matter more to them, and they're, they're going to want to learn more or be more engaged with it. Mm -hmm. As you said before, you're an educator for more than 30 years. What made you choose education? What purpose have you fulfilled or still try to fulfill? Yeah. When someone says we're lifelong learners, it's, I'd say it's an understatement mm -hmm. because in this profession and working with these students, it's always a new energy and new ideas. And every single class brings something new. And we're constantly reinventing ourselves as teachers and as educators. We have no choice but to do that. Uh, we saw that with the pandemic and we see it now after the pandemic. Learning does not look the same. If it does, we're doing something wrong as an institution and a, as a group of educators. I remember saying that in, in 2004, 2005, I built a website for the class I was teaching. We had a discussion board. It was called classcoffee.com. For 10 years, I maintained that website. And I realized what it meant to integrate students in an online world. This was 15 years before we had our, our other platforms. And the reason why I bring that up is because The best part of being a teacher is you're always able to innovate within and then share that with students to inspire them to take it out. So many examples of that in practice. Well, as a teacher at ACS Athens for 22 years, uh, before you became the principal, you taught American studies, European history, IB history, and theory of knowledge. All these topics require critical thinking, engagement, discussion, debate. What was your favorite subject? Mm, that I've taught, the favorite subject mm -hmm. I've taught. Mm -hmm. um, I would have to go to the combo though, because it's, it's the one I'm most proud of. The combo is an integrated team taught course, as you know. And I truly believe that we create better ideas And we generate better learning when we bring people together to collaborate. The more diverse the groups, the better. In the combo class, we bring teachers together to collaborate, to teach the course in a thematic approach. And in that approach, the class is just so much more exciting. I'm learning as much about literature as I am helping the others to integrate the history. And that combo class... What a beautiful example of not being driven by external examinations, but generated by learning and engagement. Uh, we always said we want to create experiences in every unit that students will talk about the experience, then connect the learning. And in every unit, whether we have simulations, the Truman trial, these are all experiences that we've created for students to connect the learning. It lasts. I like to say when learning lingers, You know, that it lingers because you can't get out of your mind. If we can create those experiences for students, they keep it with them. You stay in that frame of learning. Yeah. You are listening to The Owlcast. 
the official podcast of ACS Athens. Guest in the Outcast today is Academy Principal David Nelson. Stay tuned as we discuss the case of the combo class as teen taught course. When the learning lingers, what is the Truman Trial? Collaborative learning communities and professional development, and the final advice of the principal to the class of 2022. I wanted to talk to you about Combo because we talk about it in a more academic <laughs> perspective, but someone who comes in and they look forward to coming to the academy because they want to go into the Combo, which used to be in the 10th grade, now it's 9th and 10th, um, you go through a process where you, in, in a sense, you have to exhibit in many different ways what you learn. And you mentioned the Truman Trial. What, what is the Truman Trial? So the Truman Trial is an integrated class project, and we center, of course, during the World War II era and the Cold War era. It's a student-generated project in which we divide up the classes into prosecution and defense, and we change the year of the trial each time. So if it's set in 1952, for example, the students can only find evidence for their case from up to 1952. What's the case? So the case is, well, they place President Truman on trial for crimes against humanity. And it's now entered its 21st year or 20th year in the school. We started in 2002 and it was a very small event then in the class. And now it involves the entire 10th grade. It's grown to the theater. It's streamed for audiences. I'll it's a tell full you, production. Full production. And you have more than the people that are on the stage working on it, correct? Absolutely. And the students generate everything. The students create their case. They create their line of argument. They create the order in which they present that. And, and the witnesses, who are also portrayed by students, it's all impromptu in the cross-examination. Mm -hmm. So it's really higher-order thinking, student-generated, it's one of the things that uh, I'm most proud of when I watch the students succeed because uh, it, it really pushes them to do so, deep thinking. Right now, you're not doing the Campbell course, but you're not also doing the Truman trial. If you had to advise um, the teacher who's doing the Campbell Truman trial next year, is there a point of continuing having Truman or trial or would you advise on another trial or someone else? Do you have any ideas that you have worked in your mind about this? Well, one thing, the reason why we've been able to keep it the same, keep the Truman, because the date changes. So, for example, if you put in the context of immediately after the war in the late 40s or you look into the 1950s, you begin to bring in context of that history. Mm -hmm. So the truth is it's never been the same experience or the same trial. So you have different verdicts every year? Different verdicts, and it's almost even split. The students are also the jury, by the way. So that's interesting. But it, it, to answer your question, I think, it's, I think there's some real opportunities to expand it, to look at other cases. I'd like to see LBJ on trial and look at what happened with the rise of uh, U.S. involvement in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. So the students could really break apart what justifications were for war. Mm -hmm. And that would be a great case. Mm -hmm. Going back to the topics that you have taught um, all these years, has there been a topic that year after year presented opportunities for discussion that challenged your frame of reality or worldview, or maybe make you rethink some beliefs? Mm. Yeah, because when we teach, in all of my classes, 
I really believe in themes and how those themes change with the times. As a history teacher, and now as a principal too, as when I'm giving advice or observing other classes, I think it's so important to put things in a thematic sense. Um, let's take, for example, when we studied the 1920s and 30s in uh, the combo class, and we're comparing the Great Depression with the Roaring Twenties, the main theme is looking at happiness and what is happiness. And for 12 years, we're discussing that. What the best part of that project is, we give students the question, in the context of the 1920s and 30s, what did you learn about how mm -hmm. they defined happiness? But then they investigate into their own views. Um, what does research tell us about what brings happiness? Now, you can imagine with all the brain-based science that have come out in the last 10 years, the answer to that question has changed. Uh, there are even countries that have adopted a happiness quotient as being a primary goal for their country. My point is, what's challenged, it's not challenged as much as extended my thinking about that in a discovery process with the students, with the content in mind. So here we have the 1920s and 30s as our foundation for understanding it, but then bring it into the context of the modern world um, to understand how that's unfolded in the modern day. This is, this is the best part of education. Education doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. We're lifelong learners, like I said before, because the question in the context can always change. Mm -hmm. You have coordinated the professional development and growth program of our faculty for a number of years. How important do you think PD is in a K-12 international school? The most important thing for me in professional development is bringing the right people together with an important question and then giving them time to investigate and solve that question. Now, we do that a lot here with action research in that sense. But PD isn't about one-off only bringing in some professional. A lot of times you need outside resources in order to widen the amount of information you have to work with. But I believe that number one thing for professional development is getting professionals to collaborate together across the curriculum, across the grade levels. One of the most successful things that we've done at ACS in the past as well is we introduced the collaborative learning communities. And collaborative learning communities brought together a complete heterogeneous group of teachers from elementary, middle, and high to get together and talk about their work, talk about student work, and talk about their challenges in the classroom. When you ask the right question and a third grade teacher informs a 12th grade teacher about what they know about what motivates learning, it's phenomenal how the thinking expands. So for me, professional development is not giving people the new way to do it or bringing in an outsider to tell you how to do it. It's about presenting people with a better question, giving them time to interact around that question and getting as many ideas on the table to come up with a better answer of that. Mm -hmm. We're always learning. This is education. We're always, we're always trying to improve what we're doing. And have you seen this in practice in other schools, in other areas of the world, maybe in the US or Europe? Absolutely. As you know, many of us, um, we like to expand our own professional development. And I, I work as a national facilitator as well out of an organization out of the United States called the National School Reform Faculty. So I've trained um, dozens of groups of professionals in other schools to help share some of these collaborative processes with them. Uh, because like I said before, you not only need a diverse group of people together, but you need the right process that can help take the question 
to another level. And that's what we do in those trainings is, is train teachers how to the processes and protocols for working with their, um, their questions. Mm -hmm. You are the founder and creator of the Equity Maps app. I am personally a geography buff and lose myself on Google Earth, but you're probably talking about a different kind of mapping. Indeed, indeed. And it's Equity Maps is looking at inclusion and how do we create more inclusive environments, whether it's in the classroom or in a professional development meeting. I like to say one map at a time. And Equity Map is an iPad app that I created as a passion project, actually here at school and in my professional work outside of school, looking at how do we maximize the engagement of students in the conversation, in the dialogue, and how do we make sure that we're leveraging the power of the perspectives in the room and not to do it by a grade. Equity Maps doesn't present an assessment of the participation in a group. It reveals or makes the conversation visible. So it presents a map, it gives a variety of statistics about involvement and at the debrief or at the end of a conversation or a dialogue in a group, uh, the class can look at it and say, how did our processes work today to accomplish what we wanted to accomplish? I'm working on my dissertation in my uh, studying out of the Wilkes University in my doctorate program. And I'm conducting research on dialogic pedagogy in looking at how dialogue, um, what pedagogical practices teachers use in the classroom to widen what we call dialogic space. When we bring inclusive environments together to expand the ideas and to challenge the group with deeper questions. So this is really exciting. All of this has come together as an intersection of my work, first as a teacher, as a student, now as an administrator. What I find interesting about this is that you stress the importance of uh, inclusion in the process and not the evaluation. As the principal of uh, the academy, you are closer than most of us to the students as they move closer to the graduation, seeking guidance for their path forward to college and career, even as they try to consolidate their memories from uh, high school. If there are two things that they should get away with, and I don't want a preview of your commencement address, <laughs> what would you advise them to keep in their mind or heart? Yeah, what to walk away with. Never stop asking questions, not to be critical, but with wonder. And hopefully we instill a passion for wanting to learn more. And we can never have enough questions. The answers, they're infinitive, but the questions need to keep coming. So keep their wonder. And the other thing I'm going to share with them as well is choose what you love to do. And if it's not something that you really have that passion for, find that passion because the other motivations are not going to get you through life and it's not going to keep you moving to want more. Um, if there's anything that's kept me in education for 32 years is I have rarely come to school and think that's not a place I, I don't want to be. That's where I want to be because I know that I can always work to improve that situation. So I would say to the students, yeah, keep asking questions but make sure what you're asking questions about and what you're doing, you really, really want to be there. Be passionate about it. Otherwise, change. Life is too short not to find something that you're really interested in. Mr. Nelson, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure, John. Thank you. You are listening to The Owlcast, the official podcast of ACS Athens. 
make sure you subscribe to the Allcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. This has been a production of the ACS Athens Media Studio. Thank you.